Well, good morning. Man, I hope you've had a great week. How about those Knolls coming back from behind again? Yeah, a few fans there, a few fans there. Great game, great time watching that. I hope you've uh, joined our church family. We're in this uh, journey of studying the book of Proverbs, written by the wisest man who ever lived. His name is King Solomon. And uh, we're trying every morning to start our day by reading one chapter. Today was the 28th of September. So we read Proverbs 28 this morning. Many of you read that. We're mailing out a daily devotion goes along with it. Good stuff. So just want to encourage you to join in. Uh, we've got hundreds and hundreds of people are getting that, responding to that daily devotional as well. So hope you're taking advantage of that. I'd like to begin by, uh, a, I think, a very important question. And it's, this is one of these messages where the whole message is built on this question. So I really need your help. All right. I need you to get a pen need you to pull this out in your, in your notes there in your uh, program. And there's a question there. Be very beginning. It says this. What is the one thing that you're not doing that if you started doing on a regular basis would make a tremendous positive difference in your life? So I want you to think of one thing that you're not doing that if you started doing, it would make a tremendous positive difference in your life. It might be to read your Bible more or read Proverbs or join a growth group or maybe in your personal life, it might be to exercise more or to eat better or to kiss your wife more. I, I don't know. I mean, just for you, for you, what's one thing that you're not doing that if you started doing on a regular basis, would have a tremendous impact on your life. Maybe for you, it's, it's professional. Uh, maybe you need to go back to school, or maybe you need to finish college, or get your MBA. Um, what's one thing, and I'm waiting for you to all write it down, one thing that you're not doing, that if you started doing, it would have a, make a tremendous impact on your life. All right, so who hasn't come up with one thing yet? I'm just joking, okay. Everybody got something written down? One thing that you're not doing, that if you started doing, would make a tremendous positive difference in your life. All right, you guys got one thing? How many got one thing? Let me see your hand, all right? All of us, you got one thing? One thing, all right, now let me ask you this next question. Now, if you know that there's one thing that you're not doing, that if you started doing, it would have a tremendous positive impact on your life. Why are you not doing it? Why am I not doing it? And I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why, but for a lot of us, it comes back to discipline. We lack discipline. Can you say it with me? We lack Discipline. I know for some of you that word discipline is like a dirty word. It's like a bad word. You think of a coach. You think of maybe a military officer that, you know, they used to abuse you. And that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about abuse. We're not talking about verbal abuse. We're not talking about assault. We're not talking about devaluing language. We're talking about self-control. Matter of fact, this morning, many of us read Proverbs chapter 28, and let's look at verse 25. I think Solomon says it well here. He says, a person without, what's the word? Is like a house with its doors and its windows knocked out. Now, what is Solomon saying here? He's saying it's just not safe to live in a house without doors, without windows. I mean, at night, things can come in. People can come in. 
And he's saying a person who lacks self-discipline, self-control, is like a house without doors. He's saying your life is vulnerable. You're defenseless. You see, discipline is what gives us the inner strength of self-control. Discipline is what gives us the inner strength of self-control. Proverbs 13.8 says, He who ignores, what's the word? Discipline. Is it up there? He who ignores, what's the word? Discipline comes to poverty. In other words, man, you want to be poor? Who wants to be poor? He who ignores discipline comes to poverty and to shame. And to shame. You see, this virtue of discipline, it affects every dimension, every fiber of our lives. It affects our health, our happiness, our wealth, our family life, our success. It's all rooted in this little word that that Solomon talks about again and again and again. It's called discipline. Even our relationship with God is largely determined by our discipline we call them the spiritual disciplines of christ we look at the life of jesus christ and if we want to be a christ follower we need to do as jesus did in order to live as jesus lived and so he practiced what's called spiritual disciplines like getting up silence and solitude and reflection and meditation and memorization and the reading of scripture he had disciplines in which he did and when we do those disciplines we become more like christ See, without discipline, we will all be kind of manipulated by our moods. We'll be manipulated by the moods of others. Discipline is this indispensable tool to make our lives work. Now, I like to play kind of like a a word association game. I'm going to name a vocation or a profession, and I want you to tell me the most important tool that vocation needs in order to do their job, in order to do their job really well. For instance, like a carpenter. What tool does a carpenter need to really do their job and to really do their job well? A carpenter needs a what? A hammer. A shovel, well, probably a hammer, okay. Um, How about a surgeon? What tool does a surgeon need to do their job and to do it really well? A surgeon needs a what? Scalpel. A drummer needs a? No, that's not drums, not drums. What does a drummer need? What's the tool to help the drummer play the drums? Drumsticks, all right, good. You scared me there for a second, okay. How about a bricklayer? What does a bricklayer need? Not bricks, no, no, no. What's the tool that he needs in order to do his job really well? What is it called? Trowel. All right, very good. How about an uh, astronomer? What does an astronomer need? Telescope. How about a chemist? Chemist needs what? Microscope. All right, very good. How about a bird watcher? What does a bird watcher need to do their job? What is it? Binoculars. How about an NBA referee? What do they need to do their job well? Whistle. See, life doesn't work very well for a carpenter without a hammer or a surgeon without a scalpel or a referee without a whistle. And life doesn't work very well for us without discipline. From Solomon's perspective, discipline is this indispensable tool to make our lives work better. Proverbs 10, 17 says, people who, what's the word? Accept discipline are on the pathway to life. They're on the road to a good life, to a better life. People who accept, people who seek, people who want discipline. 
But those who ignore correction will go astray. Proverbs 4.13 says, cling to discipline. Don't relax your grip on it. Keep it. Because it's your life. It's your life. And if you want to live it, and you want to live it well, you need discipline. Discipline is this indispensable tool to make your life work well, to make your life better. The Apostle Paul told his protege, Timothy, in, in 1 Timothy 4, 7, he said, Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of, what's the word? Godliness. Discipline yourself. Through this virtue of discipline, you can become godly. You can become more like God. Discipline helps us to get to where we are, to where we want to go. And Paul says, Timothy, Timothy, if you want to get to where you need to go, if you want to become more like Christ, if you want to become more of a godly person, then you need to discipline yourself. You ask any great athlete, and they'll tell you about the importance of discipline. You ask any successful businesswoman or businessman, and they'll tell you about the importance of discipline. You ask any accomplished musician or actor or writer or salesperson or leader, and they'll tell you about the importance of discipline. You ask any godly man, godly woman, someone you spiritually respect, and they will tell you about the importance of discipline. Anybody I have ever known who has shot high and done something extraordinary is well acquainted with this indispensable tool called discipline. Spiritual discipline is a habit of making wise decisions and then living in alignment with them. Spiritual discipline is this habit, it's this routine, it's this practice of making wise decisions and then living your life in alignment with that decision. Living your life in agreement with that decision. In order to do that, you need discipline. Now the word discipline itself, the noun, the noun form, it comes from the word disciple. Like the 12 disciples. Now what's a disciple? Disciple is a what? A student, a follower, a learner. And the disciples chose to follow Christ, to be a learner. They wanted to emulate his life. They wanted to pattern their life after his. They were a disciple of Christ. That's what a disciple is. It's a follower. It's a learner. It's someone who follows a set of practices and disciplines and beliefs of another. So you can't be a disciple of Jesus Christ without discipline. You can't be a follower of Jesus Christ without following his practices, without following his teachers. You're not a Christian if you don't follow the teachings and the practice of Jesus Christ. That's what a Christian is, someone who lives like Christ. So the two words, disciple and discipline, they go together. Our behavior needs to be in alignment with our thinking, and that takes discipline spiritual discipline it's the habit of making wise decisions and then living with those decisions living in alignment with those decisions now discipline as we've talked about in the past you know it always comes from within we grow and develop ourselves by growing and developing our self-discipline it always comes from within so the most important things i can do as your pastor is to help change your outlook and your attitude towards discipline to value it more, 
Because change comes from within rather than without. Now, you, it comes from within and then you do different steps and different habits that are from without. But it starts from within and we got to start with what's in. So I think it's very important for us to understand what I would call the three disciplines of discipline. All right, no pun there. Three disciplines of discipline. A discipline is a branch of study or learning uh, like the discipline of history or the discipline of economics, all right? So the three disciplines of discipline, the three pillars of discipline. Number one is this. First is persistence. Can you say that with me? Persistence. Never give up. Never give up. Proverbs 12, 24 says, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. Persistence pays off. Perseverance pays off. Diligence pays off. Determination pays off. Tenacity pays off. Endurance pays off. It's just how life works. So Solomon says, be tenacious. Be diligent. Be disciplined. Solomon is saying that you become successful by simply outlasting your critics. I mean, the oak tree is just one little nut that refused to give its ground. And now it's this beautiful oak tree. Now, how many of you have heard of uh, Wellington? Not the city Wellington, but Wellington that defeated Napoleon at Waterloo. Remember that battle, big battle? And he was asked, why did British, why did the British army was so successful? How were they able to defeat Napoleon? He said the British army has been trained to always fight for an additional five minutes longer than anybody else. They just persevere. They don't give up. Most people, most of us, we just give up too soon. Productive, fruitful people just don't know how to quit. They just keep keeping on. Proverbs 21.5 says, Good planning, and what's the next two words? Hard work, lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts leads to poverty. My father used to always taught me, Raymond, you know, when you do a job, you do it right the first time, you don't do it at all. And I remember that all my life. When you do a job, you do it right. Or you don't do the job at all. My mother would say, you don't have to be a genius to succeed in life. You just have to be persistent. Because persistence pays off. Proverbs says, you know, there's no shortcuts to a fruitful life. You just got to work hard. You got to persevere with this tenacious, determined attitude. Just don't give up. Now let me remind you. The truth is, most people really don't want you to succeed. If you do succeed, they'll be jealous of you. And if you don't succeed, they will condemn you. They would just rather you just be kind of like mediocre, you know, just be lukewarm. Hemingway once said, the world breaks every man, but some get stronger at the break. Steady prodding brings prosperity. Steady prodding brings success. Steady prodding brings fruitfulness. Never, never, ever give up. That's the first pillar. That's the first discipline of discipline. Number two, and I think this is so good. Number two, Solomon says this throughout his book, advanced decision making. 
advanced decision making. Say no now. Proverbs 13, 6 says, A wise man thinks ahead, and a fool doesn't. And what does the fool do? They even brag about it. You know anybody like that? Don't look at them. Don't point. You know? You know, they kind of procrastinate, and they're kind of proud of it. And Solomon says, you know, that's the thinking of a fool. That's the thinking of a fool. A disciplined person thinks ahead, plans ahead, makes wise decisions before the temptations of life, before the crossroads of life. Solomon, in Proverbs chapter 5, he warns his sons to say no to, 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 to temptation. You try saying that. Say no. Say it with me. Say no to temptation now. Look at verse 7 of uh, Proverbs chapter 5. So now, my son, listen to me. Listen to me now, my son. Never stray from what I'm about to say. He's saying, boys, listen, guys. And these are probably his older sons. Listen to me, guys. Get this down. Don't stray from this. This is really important. Listen, guys. This is it. Run from her. Now, who's the her? Don't go near the door of her house. He's talking about the immoral woman. He's talking about the adulterer. He's talking about a prostitute. If you do, guys, you're going to lose your honor. You're going to hand over to merciless people everything you've achieved in life. Strangers will obtain your wealth and, and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. Afterwards, you're going to groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. You will say, how I Hated discipline. <laughs> I hated discipline. If only I, had, if only I had not demanded my own way. And why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I listen to my pastors? Why didn't I pay attention to those who gave me instruction? I've come to the brink of utter ruin. And now I must face public disgrace. Great passage for some of our former presidents, huh? It's learning to say no now to temptation. Solomon's saying, do a little cost versus benefit analysis so you can say no now to sin. Do a little cost versus benefit analysis so you can say no to adultery. I mean, what are, what are some of the potential costs of sexual immorality? He says here, Sexually transmitted disease. It's a risk. Could happen. Unwanted pregnancy. Pain in your marriage. For some of us, it'd probably mean our own death, right? The disappointment of friends. It's amazing how people don't think that through. And how our behavior really disappoints those that respect us. Or the disgracing of ourselves, Solomon talks about. Or the disrespect of our spouse. You know, when we're unfaithful, we devalue them. We dis disrespect them. Or how about the distrust of our children? Solomon is saying, listen, think it through. Do a little cost versus benefit analysis. 
Now, what are the payoffs? What are the benefits of being sexually pure? Well, we, we grow in discipline. We learn to say no to our impulses and to our urges. We honor God with our bodies. We have greater intimacy and trust in our marriages. We maintain our integrity with our friends, with our children. Solomon is saying, do a little cost versus benefit analysis. And if you do that, if you think it through, you guys, sons, sons especially, you will say no now to temptation. And then he continues on. He's doing this little analysis here. Look what he says in verse 15. He says, drink water from your own well. Figure that out. Share your, share your love with your own wife. Why spill the water of your spring in public? You figure that one out. Having sex with just anyone. Isn't that a culture today? You should reserve it for yourselves. Don't share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She's a loving doe, a graceful deer. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated in this. The Hebrew word here means to be intoxicated. May you always be intoxicated by her love. You see, the truth is, few of us are strong enough in the midst of temptation to say no then. That's why we need to say no now. We need to have the discipline and the wisdom to say no now. Advance decision making. All right, so the three disciplines of discipline. Number one is persistence. Number two is say no now. Number three is delayed gratification. Can you say it with me? Delayed gratification. That's what discipline is. It's putting pain before pleasure, and I can tell by the look on many of your faces, you're not really enjoying this message. It's kind of a little painful, all right? It's, it's putting pain before pleasure. Discipline is simply postponing the payoff. It's doing the difficult now in order to enjoy the benefits later. So you, every day you go to class, you study hard now so you don't have to cram for your final, and so you do better on your final. You curb your spending now so you can save for the future, for retirement, so you'll be more financially secure then. It's saying no now in order to enjoy the benefits later. It's saying no now to eating so much junk food and fast food so you don't have a coronary later. Say no now. You do the difficult now in order to enjoy the benefits later. The Apostle Paul reminds us, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, he says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. <laughs> it's, what's the word? Painful. How many would agree with that? You know, no discipline. It, it, it's painful while it's happening. But, he says, afterwards, there will be a quiet harvest of right living, of good living for those who are trained in this way. You know, for years of my life, I used to run three times a week. I used to run about 9 to 12 miles every week. I played college basketball and I quit running and then my wife started running and I followed her and I started running and, and she just loves running. And I would just get up and I would run 
And I'm sorry to use the word in church, but I don't know of a better word than just to say, I hated it. I mean, I did. I, I hated it. I made myself do it. It was discipline. I'd get up, and I would run, and I would do it. And, and I had back surgery. And because I had back surgery, the doctor said I couldn't run anymore. So thank God for back surgery. I mean, what a blessing it was. You know, I couldn't run anymore, you know. So I started walking, and I walk all over the place, and I bike now. And I, I love biking. But you know what? It's still painful. It, it really is. But it's fun when it's done, Right? Can you say it with me? It's fun when it's done. Every time, yesterday I went and biked for about an hour and it was raining and I still was having a ball and having fun, but it, it's, it's fun when it's done. Every time I'm finished, I feel better. Feeling younger again. I've got more energy. I sleep a little better. I have a greater sense of well-being. That's what discipline is. It's, it's fun when it's done. It's fun when it's done. Now some of you, Man, you are incredibly disciplined when it comes to your work. I mean, you, you plan your day. You're always on time. You do what you say. You're incredibly disciplined when it comes to your work. Some of you are incredibly disciplined when it comes to working out. Some of you, man, you just run like a clock. I mean, you are disciplined when it comes to getting the gym and taking care of yourself, you know. I mean, you look for excuses not to work out. While the rest of us look for excuses, you know, I said that backwards, didn't I? Yeah, okay. Uh, now, some of you, you are incredibly disciplined when it comes to watching your favorite TV show. I mean, you, know, you wouldn't think of missing Under the Dome or True Blood or Big Brother or Bachelorette, you know, and God help you for that one. But, uh, but some of you, I mean, you are incredibly disciplined when it comes to eating. I mean, you haven't missed a meal your entire life. Now, here is my point. We are all disciplined in the things that matter most to us. We do what we want to do. And part of being a Christian, part of being a follower of Jesus Christ, is to change and challenge our behavior. It's to develop more discipline in our lives so we can say no to some things and we can say yes to other things. I mean, what would happen if you were as disciplined in feeding your spiritual soul as you are in feeding your body? We'd be some godly people, wouldn't we? I mean, what would happen if we were as disciplined in serving and helping the poor and the less fortunate as we are in getting up and going to work? What would happen if we were as disciplined in attending church and going to our growth group as we are in watching our favorite TV show or ESPN or the Seminoles, you know? Now, according to Proverbs, if we were more disciplined, we begin to live a life that works better. The Apostle Paul says that we'd live a, a quiet life of right living a life that, that truly honors God. So many of you are kind of maybe asking the question, how can I become a more disciplined person? And, and we really got into this subject back at Easter 
We did a series called Easter Changes Everything. Remember that? Transformation, you know? And we talked about how keystone habits can have a cascading effect upon our lives. All of you should be nodding your head to make the pastor at least feel a little better at this, this point, that you remember this incredible series of messages we did called Easter Changes Everything. So you all are nodding your head. Yes, okay, you're lying in church. Okay, um, very, very good, but I feel better. You know, I feel, I feel better. Um, and we talked about that. And basically, we came to two summaries, two conclusions. We did, I think, six, eight weeks. Two things we walked away with. Number one, if I want to change, if I want to become more disciplined, I need to change my habits. I need to change my weekly habits, my daily habits. The way you change is small change, little change. It's trying to find those cascading, cascading changes, cascading habits that can have a huge impact on your life. We got into all that. So you see, you are the sum total of what you do. Your habits are the sum total of who you are. I mean, you tell me what you habitually do, and I will tell you who you are, you know, and what you do. If you consistently tell the truth, man, you're a person of integrity. You show up on time, you do what you say, you finish what you start. You got great character. If you want to change your life, you have to change your habits. That's one of the reasons why I am so excited about doing this Proverbs thing and trying to encourage everybody in the whole church to read one chapter a day of their Bible, to start your day by reading Proverbs 28. Tomorrow it's Proverbs 29. Because I know if you'll just, if you'll just make a small change and start that habit, it can have a spiritual cascading effect upon your life. And many of you are doing that. I Say, yeah, that's great. Many of you are changed your weekly habits. You're going to a growth group. Man, you haven't found a group? Join us on Monday night. Join Brent right here on Wednesday night. All kinds of great groups to help you get disciplined and help you grow your life and make it work better. So I need to change my weekly habits. All right? Number two, I need to reprioritize or reprioritize, reorganize my life. We... Do what's important to us. We do. Let's, let's read this verse together out loud in one verse, in one voice, can we? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. You ready? Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. Now, circle the word weight and circle the word sin. Those are the two things that are going to keep you from living a more disciplined life. Weights and sin. Now, I think most of us know what sin is. Sin is making bad choices. Sin is missing the mark. Um, I think God gets a bad rap when it comes to sin. I think we think God is a God that's against fun and against doing... We're, we're all so wrong there. God's all about fun and goodness and blessing. Sin to God is things that ultimately harm us and hurt us. And because God is a loving father, he's saying, listen, Raymond, don't do that. Just, that's stupid. You're going to hurt yourself. Don't do it. So we need, to, we need to run from sin, stay away from sin. We need to say no to sin now. We've already talked about that. And then it talks about uh, the second thing. Look at verse 1 again, if you can put that back up there. Look at the first, first part of verse 1. It says, let us strip off every what? What's a weight that slows us down? 
What's he talking about here? Well, we, we've talked about this before. You remember those back in the days when they used to train for the Olympics? The way they would train, they would run in what? They'd run in the, in the nude. Sorry. Okay, you can Google it, read about it. Um, but that's what they do. They used to strip down everything so they thought they could run faster, you know. That's kind of what the context here is. kind of what he's talking about. It's stripping down the weights. Now, I'm not encouraging you to run nude, okay? So don't misunderstand this. But the weights are the unnecessary things in our life. It's not necessarily sinful or wrong. They're just unnecessary. They're just unnecessary. A weight could be, could be your job. A weight could be a hobby. It's not necessarily a bad hobby, but it's holding you down. It's slowing you down. A weight could be a relationship. A weight could be an expectation you have. It's not necessarily a bad expectation, but it's not the best of expectations. A weight could be an activity. It could be a memory. It could be a fear. What God is saying is that in order to grow and to become more spiritual person, I must reprioritize my life. I need to put first things first. Because often in life, it's the good that keeps us from God's best. And we have to reprioritize our life by saying no to the good and putting the most important things, the best things, first. Do you really want to make your life work? And I, I commend you for being disciplined and being here on Sunday morning. But do you really want to grow? Do you really want to be what God wants you to be? Then, what do? Do the one thing that you're not doing, that if you started doing, it would make a tremendous positive benefit in your life. You know that one thing you wrote down? Do it. Do it. Ask God to help you. Ask God for the discipline to make that change, to take that step. Can we bow our heads in prayer? And with our heads bowed, can you just kind of talk with God and take a minute and pause here? Can you just say, God, I need your help? God, I need your help. God, I want to change. I want to grow. Can you say, God, I need to develop more discipline in my life. And can you pray and say, God, I am making the decision today, right now, to do that one thing that could make a tremendous impact in my life. Tell God what it is. You wrote it down. Tell him what it is and say, God, help me to do it. Help me to do it. Can I be candid with you? Most of us will not be successful in just adding one more thing to our already overscheduled, overcrowded lives. So I need to ask you this as our heads are bowed. What's the one thing you need to stop doing? What's the weight 
that's slowing you down in order to do that one thing that will bring about a tremendous difference in your life? What do you need to stop doing? For me, if, if I want to exercise more, you know what? I've, I've got to come home early. I need to stop working so late. I need to stop doing that in order to do what I, I need to do is exercise more. What is it you need to stop doing? Maybe you want to read your Bible. You want to do Proverbs. And the way in order to read Proverbs and get up in the morning and connect with God first, you've got to stop doing something. You've got to stop staying up and watching the evening news. You need to go to bed earlier. So look at your, think for a second there. What's the thing that you need to stop doing in order to help you to do what you need to do? You know, Jesus Christ wants to help us to change. But we've got to put our faith in Him. We've got to put our trust in Him. We've got to become a follower of His. You've got to do life His way. You've got to humble yourself and become a disciple. And this morning, if you never have, I just invite you right now to humble yourself and say, Jesus, I acknowledge my sin and I put my faith and trust in You. And I ask for you to save me. I want to follow you. I want to get my life in alignment with your teaching. Invite Christ into your life. This morning we thank you, God. We thank you for this incredible tool called discipline to help us make our lives work. God, help us never to give up. Help us to say no now. Help us to put the pain before the pleasure. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.